Chapter thirty five of the Forgery by George Payne Rainsford James. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter thirty five. There was a morning of longings at Milford Castle. Something, somebody was evidently expected. It began at the breakfast table. Lady Anne was down first, but Maria had been up earliest, and when she at length entered the cheerful little room, she found her fair hostess gazing thoughtfully out of the window. A heavy dew had fallen during the night, and it was lying firmly and bright upon the lawns and slopes of the park, like the misty radiance with which fancy invests the unseen things of life. Was it at that dewy silvering Lady Anne was gazing so intently, or at that deep shadowy wood, the tops of whose ancient trees were just seen above the rise, the road dipping down into them as if to take a bath in their cool verdure? It was the road towards Belford, and her eyes were anxiously turned in that direction, perhaps her thoughts also. Maria went up to her and kissed her, and then, twining their arms together, they both stood at the window, and both thought for nearly five minutes without speaking a word. At length Lady Anne said, "'It will be a hot day,' and then she laughed at herself for talking so wide of her thoughts, and gazing into Maria's lovely eyes with a faint smile, she added, "'Henry cannot be here till the day is at the hottest.' Maria smiled in return, but it was a faint, fluttering smile, in which fear and hope were blended, for she was very, very anxious about him she loved. His confident and hopeful manner had not communicated courage to her woman's heart, and many an uneasy and apprehensive hour she had passed when thinking of the difficulties of his situation. Oh, how we love that which excites our anxiety! How the chasing hopes and fears, the cares, the watchfulness, bind the object of them to our heart! And all these, during the last few days of her short existence, had Maria felt intensely for Henry Haley. Whenever he was absent from her for any time, she was full of apprehension for him. She expected to hear that he had been arrested, that the struggle which she dreaded had commenced, that the game of life or death was staked, and though she might preserve the external appearance of calmness, yet was the poor girl sadly moved within. Maria would not reply to her friend's words, for she feared her own self-possession, but nevertheless she was apparently calmer during that morning than Lady Anne herself. Her manner was composed, she spoke, she answered quietly, and it was only by an anxious look or a slight start when she thought she heard the sound of carriage wheels that she betrayed how much she felt at heart lady anne on the contrary though her usual april mood was still present was assuredly more inclined to be on the showery side of the sweet month than on the sunshiny sometimes she would talk wildly and laugh gaily but at others she would sink into profound fits of thought gaze forth into the vacant air, and answer questions quite astray. Even Lady Fleetwood seemed in a degree to feel the irritating effects of expectation. Once, in the middle of breakfast, without a word having been uttered regarding travels or travellers, she suddenly lifted her head and said, "'I wonder at what hour they will arrive.' And some time afterwards, when walking for a moment on the terrace with Maria, she observed in the same abrupt manner, they will have a fine day for their arrival at all events. As the day wore on, and the hour at which they might be expected passed, Maria grew more thoughtful, more anxious, more grave, 
and Lady Anne, after watching her friend's face for a moment, said, "'Come, Maria, this will not do. Let us go and amuse ourselves in some way. We will walk down to the stewards, see the hens and chickens, talk about lambs, and be quite pastoral. Nay, we shall not be absent when they arrive, for I will set a boy upon the tower to watch the road, and whenever he sees a carriage coming, he shall run up my grandfather's old flag. The top of the tower can be seen from the steward's house, they tell me, and, as it is only half a mile, and the carriage can be seen two miles off, we shall be back in time. Maria made no objection. They went down to the steward's house, and they did talk about chickens and lambs, and were quite pastoral. But time wore on, no flag was displayed, and they returned to the house somewhat sadly. They found Lady Fleetwood seated in the drawing-room, working at the purse, her Penelope's web. But the old lady's face was very grave, too, and, to tell the truth, her imagination had gone careering in the same direction as Maria's. When she looked up, then, and saw all the anxiety that was written in her niece's fair face, the milk of human kindness in her bosom overflowed, and she must needs comfort her. "'My dear Maria,' she said, "'do not make yourself so uneasy. I know what you are thinking about and what you fear, but there is really no cause for alarm. My brother's conduct towards Colonel Middleton was very strange that day at dinner, I suppose because he thought we had shown a want of confidence in him. But I saw him just before we left town, and he was quite kind about the whole business.' "'assuring me he would do the best he could for our friend, "'even if it should turn out that he is the person whom we all suspect he is, "'for I told him all I knew and all I fancied.' "'Good heavens!' exclaimed Lady Anne. "'To him? To my uncle?' demanded Maria, "'with a look of consternation, clasping her hands together. "'To him did you tell all? "'The very last man to whom a word should have been spoken till all was settled?' "'Well, my dear child,' said Lady Fleetwood, very much distressed, "'I did it, I am sure, with the best intentions.' "'Oh, your best intentions, your best intentions, my dear aunt,' exclaimed Maria, judging her uncle's character better than her aunt, and seeing with anguish all the fatal consequences which might ensue. But almost as she spoke, the roll of carriage-wheels was heard, and then some vehicle or vehicles dashed up to the doors.' It could not be resisted under the circumstances in which they were. All proprieties and decorums were forgotten, and the three ladies, by one impulse, ran to the windows. There were two travelling carriages on the terrace, and the first person who sprang out was Henry Haley. Maria had resisted strongly. Expectation, anxiety, even the terror of her aunt's communication, had not drawn a tear from her, but when she saw him whom she loved and feared for, there before her safe and well the bright drops rose up in her eyes was it wonderful that she should feel so perhaps not and yet the most wonderful things that i know of in the world are the emotions of the human heart surpassingly mysterious we are all habituated to them we feel or we mark them in others every day and our wonder ceases but who can account for them whence do they arise in what deep well of the soul have they their source? Take any emotion you will, and drive it home. You will be puzzled to trace it to the end. We say, it is natural for man to have a fondness for this, a repugnance to that, but in so saying we assume the whole groundwork, 
we assert but do not explain why did maria so feel for the man before her why had she feared for him as she was incapable of fearing for herself why would she at that moment have willingly sacrificed her life for him why was the sense of rejoicing so overpowering when the immediate anxiety for him was at an end how had he contrived in so short a space to change the whole current of her feelings to concentrate as it were every thought and affection which had previously ranged wide and far diffused over all things that surrounded her upon himself alone to transmute his interests into her interests and to bind their future fates together by a strong and indissoluble tie inseparable for ever so it was however and at that moment as maria stood at the window and saw him spring from the carriage she felt that it was so more than she had ever felt before in a few moments the whole party were assembled in the drawing-room but these few moments had been enough to calm the minds of those who had been waiting to that point at least where joy is unmingled with agitation lady fleetwood was delighted to see everybody but especially colonel middleton to whom she was now profuse in kindness and attention in order to make up for the little faux pas which her niece's words showed her she had committed she was the best-hearted kindest woman in the world but she did not see or she would not see that colonel middleton's whole thoughts were upon maria and that the first five minutes were in some sort maria's due lady fleetwood talked to him she inquired after his journey as if he had been a sick man or lame she assured him more than once how glad she was to see him in northumberland as if she had utterly despaired of seeing him there at all and she effectually contrived to prevent him for a full quarter of an hour after his arrival from doing more than merely shaking hands with her he loved poor maria bore it with the fortitude of a martyr and even lady anne did not venture to interfere lest by coming to her rescue she should only make matters worse she was like the man who saw his companion carried away by a tiger and did not dare to fire lest he should kill his friend instead of the brute mr winkworth still had his sleeve cut open and his arm in a sling but he looked exceedingly brisk and gay and with his mixture of odd eccentricity and old-fashioned courtesy paid his compliments to lady anne congratulated her upon having so fine a park in which to use his own expression her deer her horse and her wits might range about at liberty and then turning to mrs bryce who was by this time in the room left his fair hostess to converse with charles uninterrupted at length however compassion moved him and in order to draw the fire from colonel middleton he advanced and began chatting to lady fleetwood in a gay and easy strain i feel what it is to be old my dear madam he said here you have not spoken two words to me while this gay young gentleman monopolizes you entirely now that is not right i claim my share and here i come to take possession of it and he seated himself beside her on the sofa henry instantly turned to maria and how they managed it i do not know but in the space of less than a minute they were standing talking to each other at one of the windows it was a difficult manoeuvre to effect in the presence of such an active adversary as lady fleetwood but it was accomplished nevertheless with such skill and precaution that dear lady fleetwood did not remark what they were doing 
nor make any attack upon either flank as they retreated had she seen them there were a thousand chances to one that she would have done so she would have asked colonel middleton some question or called maria to talk with mr winkworth or worse than that would have whispered to her niece to explain to her niece's lover that what she had said to mr scriven was said entirely with the best intentions five or six pleasant minutes did henry and maria pass in low earnest conversation but at length the latter said aloud oh yes i dare say we can we have only been a very little way and then turning towards the spot where lady anne stood she said colonel middleton is proposing a walk in the park if you are not tired anne not at all replied lady anne let us all go and take a ramble it is nearly as new to me as to any of you for i have not been here before since i was three years old and to say truth i don't remember much about it come bonnets and shawls and let us go gentlemen the butler will show you the apartments prepared for you which i trust will be found tolerably comfortable although when i arrived here myself i felt almost in despair lest that epithet should ever be applicable to the house again of one thing however i can assure you namely there are no rats for they were starved out two years ago and emigrated to some other country thus saying she tripped away maria followed lady fleetwood too declaring that a walk would be very delightful went to get ready do you come mr winkworth asked colonel middleton in a somewhat anxious tone mr winkworth looked at him ruefully i had not meditated such a feat he said but i am of a self-sacrificing disposition and the most gallant man in nature as you all know therefore as our excellent friend lady fleetwood is going and as without me there would be but two gentlemen to three ladies i must ensure that one is not without an attendant pray charles can you tell me whether fox who wrote the martyrology was not a northumberland man i think at all events i should be added to his book as a sort of supplementary martyr but here is the butler to show us our rooms and i will hasten to get ready the chamber to which colonel middleton was shown was a large old-fashioned room hung with tapestry through which protruded several gilt iron brackets supporting old family pictures some were very good and some in an inferior style of art though probably the best which could be found at the period when each picture was painted there were two van dykes and the rest were by nella lily and their disciples and they all had an interest for colonel middleton who went round from one to the other stopping a moment or two before each and gazing on the mute and motionless countenances to me and i believe to many other men there is a strange fascination about old family portraits i could gaze upon the effigies of the dead for many an hour striving to read in the lines and features the life the fate the character of the being there represented such seemed to be the feelings of the young officer as he walked round he commented however in his thoughts upon the countenances before him they have been a handsome race he said to himself with a strong family likeness in all the men all more or less like lady anne too here in one feature there in another and then again in the expression this one in the formal dress of the last century is perhaps less like than any and yet he must have been nearer in relation than the rest he looks stern and harsh a man of a strong will and fiery temper 
as he thus thought his eyes rested upon a little gilt scroll at the bottom of the frame and he there saw written william earl of milford born 1754 died 18 blank it was the year during which he himself had come down to milford castle in search of the son of that very man the inscription awakened another train of thought and seating himself in a chair he leaned his head upon his hand and gave way to meditation he was roused the moment after by some of lady anne's servants bringing up his luggage and raising his head he asked pray has my servant arrived he was to come down by the mail no sir replied the man he has not come yet shall i put these in the dressing-room if you please said colonel middleton where is the dressing-room it is here sir said the servant turning up a corner of the tapestry and opening a small door which displayed a little room into which the sun was streaming warm and bright it is strange what trains of thought very insignificant circumstances will produce the sight of that small but cheerful chamber compared with the large and gloomy one in which he stood struck the young officer much and he said to himself thus it is often with human fate the narrow and confined sphere of humble life is often gay and happy while the wider and loftier one of wealth and station is cold gloomy and cheerless the next moment he heard the voice of charles marston calling him and going downstairs they set out upon their walk mr winkworth managed admirably one would almost have supposed him a daughter-marrying dowager so admirably did he keep lady fleetwood in play while the younger party roamed on before he walked slowly too which is a great faculty in such circumstances and as lady fleetwood herself was not generally disposed to walk fast it suited her very well colonel middleton is an old friend of yours i find mr winkworth said lady fleetwood as they went on have you known him many years not many according to the almanac my dear madam replied the old gentleman but a great many according to the computation of the mind i look upon it my dear lady fleetwood he continued in a moralizing tone that thoughts words and actions are the real measures of time and that the sun's rising or setting the mere whirling round of the great peg-top on which we creep about has nothing in the world to do with it according therefore to my way of computing i have known colonel middleton a great many years and ten times as long as i have known some men with whom i was hand in glove before he was born you understand me she did not in the least but she replied oh yes you mean that you have known him many years but that you have lost sight of him not so replied mr winkworth it is not many months since i first made his acquaintance but i have seen a good deal of him in that time have heard much of him from friends of longer standing and a more honourable high-spirited gentlemanly man does not exist oh dear i am glad to hear you say so why so demanded mr winkworth did you doubt it oh no not in the least replied lady fleetwood i never did i can assure you not even when for once in her life lady fleetwood checked herself in full career she was on the highway to tell mr winkworth everything she knew of henry Haley's history and all the present as well as all the past was about to be detailed for the benefit of his companion when she recollected herself and held her tongue though the bridle was hardly strong enough to keep in that very hard-mouthed horse mr winkworth did not seem to have much curiosity 
for he instantly changed the subject, saying, "'What a beautiful park this is! One does not expect to find such a spot in so remote a part of the country. Lady Anne's fortune must be very large.' "'Oh, dear, yes!' replied Lady Fleetwood. "'Her mother had nearly eight thousand a year of her own, and Lord Milford had a very large property.' His father was a strange, recluse sort of man, spent very little himself, and allowed his son a small income for a young nobleman. Until he married a rich banker's daughter, I believe he had not more than fifteen or sixteen hundred a year allowed him, and he was rather extravagant, too, in his habits, so that he was a good deal in debt. At one time people thought the old earl would have left everything he could away from him, for he was a sad tyrant, and quarrelled with his son very often but then the young lord pleased him by his marriage, and everything went well after that. They say the old man saved at least three-quarters of his income every year, living down here, amongst these hills, the whole year long, like an old rook in the top of an elm-tree. He died of some disease of the heart, it is said. I should think so, replied Mr. Winkworth dryly, but it does not seem to have been hereditary, or at all events it became extinct in that branch the excellent lady would in all probability have contrived to be puzzled with this reply had not a little manoeuvre of the advance guard attracted her attention and interested her feelings hitherto maria and lady anne had been walking on arm in arm with colonel middleton by the side of the former and charles marston on the side of the latter when suddenly to lady fleetwood's infinite surprise lady anne disengaged herself from her fair friend went round and took colonel middleton's arm then pointing with her parasol to the right she walked away with him leaving charles marston sauntering on by maria's side dear me said lady fleetwood lady anne is really very strange let us go on and overtake them i am afraid maria will feel hurt hurt why asked mr winkworth quietly and lady fleetwood feeling the difficulty of explanation did as all weak and many cunning people do insinuated what she did not choose to say by replying with a meaning look oh there may be reasons mr winkworth at the same time she walked on at a pace which was very quick for her but which failed to overtake charles and maria who talking together earnestly and apparently very confidentially took their way in a direction quite opposite to that which had been followed by their fair hostess and colonel middleton upon observing these indications lady fleetwood paused and hesitated a new solution of many difficulties presented itself to hope and imagination what if charles and maria were to marry after all she thought it might not be quite fair indeed to colonel middleton but still here he had voluntarily gone away with another lady almost as if to avoid maria and her cousin and the worthy aunt gradually slackened her pace saying well it does not matter oh lady fleetwood lady fleetwood had you been but contented in everything to take all matters as easily as you did in this instance how much better it would have been for you and all your friends and relations soon after the excellent lady and her companion reached the top of a small hill perhaps a barrow from the summit of which a great part of the park was visible and there she saw lady anne and colonel middleton walking slowly along towards the deep pines through which the private road to milford castle from belford 
passed in its way up to the house suddenly just emerging from the trees upon the road appeared two men who as soon as they perceived lady anne and her companion quitted the road as if to meet the two others and if such was their intention they succeeded for the lady of milford and her guests went straight forward towards them and one of the strangers advanced pulling off his hat with a low bow a moment or two after the young lady left her companion with the two men and walked leisurely away towards the house lady fleetwood was puzzled she could not make out what it all meant and she expressed her surprise to mr winkworth saying i wonder what's the matter had we not better go and see i think not my dear lady replied mr winkworth there can be nothing of any importance the matter or lady anne would not leave the party so quietly besides if i am not very much mistaken one of those men is colonel middleton's valet the figure is just of his height and appearance as the next best step lady fleetwood judged it would be better to return to the house immediately thinking that there at least she could get information but she was disappointed for though she sought lady anne as soon as she reached milford castle the young lady had betaken herself to her own room and the elder did not venture to intrude upon her privacy End of chapter thirty five